0: My name is Kyle Harrison, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. On striver. Sider with Scars! Now oh, it's yes. scores! Hands off for Rabel. Switches hands and
1: scores! Kyle Elmiller showing off those shifty skills. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson!
2: Welcome to another episode of pro La talk this is episode 119 the final episode of 2020 and possibly the biggest in history of the show from a topic standpoint because the PLO and MLO have merged did not expect this uh, today we are joined by Brian Andrews and Dan Arestia contributors to PLT they're going to be talking with us. Uh, let's start off guys what are your reactions we'll start with you Adam uh, when you heard this news.
3: Yeah, I was just so excited to hear it, really taken aback uh, at the timing of it, obviously. It, w- it was happening behind closed doors and, and finally got done, and I'm absolutely ecstatic for for what it means for pro lacrosse and for fans to be unified, for the leagues to be unified, uh, and for us to have one official outdoor league finally. I'm, I'm so stoked for it.
2: How about you, Dan? When you heard the news, did you, did you get any tips beforehand or were you <laughs> reacting to it as we all were? I know I got a, a, some tips that big news was coming. There was no context to it and then found out as soon as everyone else did. But um, did you expect this at all?
0: <laughs> no, I did not. I was very, very surprised when I saw it. Um, and they're, they're really, you know, in, in talking to some people since it's been announced, there were not a whole lot of people who knew this was coming down. Like mm-hmm. this was like, you know, one room of people knew what was going on and no one else did but you know in, in the last like year or so um i talked to people on, on from both leagues really who made it seem like this was not happening anytime soon the mll was was set to kind of like hunker down and try and outlast the pll the pll was you know felt good about where they were at they didn't think they needed to do this anytime soon so they were good with the way they were growing and you know the sponsors and partners that they were bringing on so it's it, it didn't seem like anybody was all that interested in this happening as quickly as it did. It seemed like this was still something years and years away. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is where we were going eventually anyway, like mm-hmm. there's the, the two leagues weren't going to survive forever. Um, it just didn't seem like it was, you know, on a, on a track where they were going to make it another decade or something like that. So you know, I was, I was surprised that it happened as quickly as it did, though, for sure. I'm happy that it happened. I think this is great. Um, you know, I talked to some people, I said, this is the best day for pro lacrosse in years. This is unified league is good. Um, you know, there's, there's some negatives that some players have, have brought up with the, you know, last summer we all have had 13 teams and this summer we're going to have eight. So that's a lot of spots for guys to play that aren't there anymore, but um, mm-hmm. you know, and that, and that's obviously really unfortunate that that's the case, but, uh, in terms of growth in the game and, and the way that, you know, this is, this is trending for the sport. I feel, uh, I feel really good about it.
2: Yeah. And Brian, what were your reactions to the news once it came down the pipeline? I mean, Sportico was what uh, broke the news. And uh, again, like, I don't think anyone really saw this coming, but uh, as a fan of, you know, the MLL for a long time and then what the PLL was doing, what, what were your reactions?
1: Uh, I did a double take when I saw the tweet because I saw it very very early in the day. I saw your tweet and it and like right below it was the Sportico tweet. Uh, tweet. I'm equally as excited and I'll echo the same reaction that I think everyone had that it happened way earlier than we all thought. Thought at least four years down the line, maybe depending on how the PL- how well the PLL or MLL did mm-hmm. with respect to who would uh, you know take take control because the mm-hmm. PLL won the branding war, I guess. Yeah, in the merger. Um, and also, I think it's big because their model seems to, both from a marketing and branding perspective, and from uh, just a logistics pers- perspective with like paying the players and stuff. I think it has a lot of advantages compared to the MLL. So I'm ha- I'm really happy about that. Um, something that I didn't really think of until I saw some other perspectives as the uh, day progressed and people were talking about it on social mm-hmm. media was how many people are going to lose in the situation that are kind of behind the scenes. And that makes me sad, but I think w- finally the lacrosse community can stop this infighting of ML versus PLL, and now we can start all contributing potentially to a sport, a professional sports model that grows, and we can all collectively be behind it because we don't have to choose
2: a side. No, I agree 100%. I think that's the biggest thing. That's why it's a win for all of us, it is not that you know one league prevailed over the other. You could look at this and say – you know, the PLO essentially acquired the MLL's assets, um, you know, in this merger. But I think the biggest thing is that, you know, we don't have to fight about it anymore. Both sides had good, you know, disadvantages and their advantages, um, you know, and, and your opini- opinions on it. You know, people had very varying opinions on it. But I think the biggest thing is now we have a unified vision. Um, the MLL history is now able to be adequately uh, realized, too. You know, we, we could see now a Pro Field Hall of Fame, maybe. Um, where the accomplishments of MLL players of past like Mark Millen or Greg Catrano can be recognized as well as players who played in both like Brody Merrill, Kyle Harrison, and Greg Grenley. And I think that's huge for the sport. It would have been very disappointing for me if the MLL folded and the PLL was to prevail or even vice versa, because then you would have, you know, lost some history there. Um, Now you can kind of have a unified vision. There's obviously going to be some asterisks when, you know, the two years that these leagues were playing simultaneously, but I, I think it, it really helps the sport. Move forward while honoring the past a little bit. Um, talk to me too a little bit, Adam. Too uh, any of your concerns with this merger in regards to you know we know that the PLO has its issues too. And while they might have run the branding war, it seems like it's going to be very PLO focused. You know, going forward, it's going to be their vision still. Um, they didn't really lose anything in terms of what their you know their whole idea around the league is. So any, any concerns, I guess, from this announcement.
3: One thing that I, I was looking at just from the interactions on social media, you know, the, the NLL fans that, that were the fans of those teams that aren't going to be around for at least maybe season one uh, of, of, of the canons being in the PLL. Uh, those fans were, were pretty distraught and rightfully so, but uh, I think that doesn't stop uh, the growth of the sport to be quite honest with you. Obviously they're going to have to do things to, to allow those, uh, fans to, to come in and and maybe it's not this year, but uh, Mike Rabel said in an interview today that that doesn't mean those teams aren't going to be kind of infused into the league at some point in some fashion. So um, just being able to bring those fans in, but again, I I think a lot of people were fans of both leagues. So I, I don't think that's too big of a detriment, you know, kind of just thinking from from the greater picture thing. Now those fans can come over uh, and, and support this league as well. So
2: Yeah, and Dan, I know you had some ideas, too, uh, on how they can kind of, you know, honor the fan bases that the MLO did have, in a way. Uh, What were kind of your thoughts on how they can make sure that they don't alienate, you know, a section of lacrosse that maybe preferred the MLO to the PLO?
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, and I think that's an important thing for the PLL to do. I will also say, on the record books, ready for this? Big-time tinfoil hat, okay? Mega conspiracy theory. Big-time conspiracy theory. It happened. The merger happened because Paul Rabel was unhappy that John Grant Jr. broke his record for an all-time point scorer, so he merged the league so he could bring the record book and then be productive next summer and take his record back because Junior's going to retire. Boom. Did I just blow your mind? Open up your third eye and see that one. That's not <laughs> what happened. I think it would just be funny if it was that petty. No, but, um, you know, I think for the PLL with the MLL fans, it's it's important that they capture them. There is this Venn diagram of, of fans that's that there's been for the last two summers with these two leagues, right? Where you have PLL and MLL. And then like the middle part of overlap, I think there's a lot of people there, but mm-hmm. the MLL fans, they stayed the, the fans of that league. Um, specifically, I think in some cases, cause they weren't crazy about the way that the PLL markets and brands, the sport or the players or whatever, you know, some of them are, are just happy to just go to the game. They're not, they don't, they don't love like RJ in your face. They don't love like playing up the fighting. They don't love all that stuff. They're just not into that. Um, and I think it's important that you try and, and find a way to to bring those fans over and, you know, in, in a way that honors their interest in the sport. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying the PLO needs to dial down their content or anything, because that's like they are a content bill, that's, you know, like never seen. So, mm-hmm. um, They should keep doing that because it's working for them, obviously. But, you know, I I think they need to try and find a way to showcase these players coming in and bring parts of the MLL that these fans really loved to the PLL so that the fans can come with them and not put these MLL fans who maybe didn't love some of the PLL stuff in a position where it's like, now you have to like it because this Mm -hmm. is pro lacrosse now, you know? Mm -hmm. You got to find a way to make it attractive for them too.
3: Yeah, and and you saw kind of the excitement from from the players also on all the social media accounts. They can utilize their their old clips, right? Those photos. You saw so many guys uh, mm-hmm. kind of doing their their rookie year photos, like like K eighteen with, with the pride. That was an epic first headshot that that he threw out there. You know, it's exciting that that those conversations can happen now, and I think that's a big part of, of hopefully bringing those fans over uh, is the the ability to talk about uh, the great parts of the MLL and kind of moving the, the pro game forward. I think one, especially with the players, I
1: think it's going to be great to be able to talk about pro lacrosse, like from say, we still had two leagues, right? Mm-hmm. When the PLL would talk about players or pro lacrosse, they would just kind of like ignore the MLL's existence. And now we can, we can celebrate all of the players and, Adam's example of that tweet is a really good example. Now we can finally cross that barrier without that weird corporate overlay or, or like looming, looming corporate entity or something like that. And I think that's really great because it just opens up a level of dialogue. To Dan's point about um, catering to the MLL fans that don't like you know, extra Y from the PLL, uh, I'm mostly echoing things that I've seen that I've actually really liked. Uh, for example, one of like, the biggest things in the MLL is the Denver Outlaws July 4th game. So mm. the PLL doing something to incorporate something like that would be a, potentially a great way to win over. Again, it's not my individual thought. I saw that on Twitter. But it's, but it's a great example of trying to rope those people in by not stripping the fans who may have just their allegiance to their hometown team, which is now gone, mm-hmm. have some lasting memory of that or at least an honoring of that. Could help win some people over in a way that kind of uh, – doesn't force them to change the marketing and branding that they might not like, but include feel a level of inclusion rather than a, like a, we won. Now yep. we're doing the base model.
2: And that's why I think that's a great point because uh, you know, I think that's what we could have gotten into a, a bigger issue. If it was one league prevailing over the other, you, I don't think you would have seen a lot of this come together. Whereas, you know, seeing all these posts from these PLL athletes, posting their MLL days was encouraging. And I, I know, you know, some people took issue. Kevin Crowley kind of felt like it was disingenuous with, some people bashing the league prior to this merger and then now, you know, posting it. Um, I think that was a very small sample size, you know, I mean, Paul Ravel hasn't shied away from bashing the MLL. So, you know, it's a valid criticism, but I think most people, I mean, me, we've talked to Kyle Harrison. He was not shy at all in talking about his MLL days, his LXM pro days. When we interviewed him, a lot of these, you know, players, I don't think really had, um, any qualms, they just, you know, were wanted wanting to be part of something different and you can't fault them for that. So it was nice to see really the lacrosse community in my mind come together. Um, that doesn't fix some of the issues with the PLL. You know, I think we could see some, I think we should have some front offices come in GMs eventually. I think that's an issue that I think the PLL will need to work through. Will we return to the city model eventually? I, I think that is a long-term thing. I don't think we'll see it for maybe, you know, several years, but, uh, you know, there's some things that, definitely need to work itself out. But I think it's a, it's a big monumental day for lacrosse going forward. Um, and that brings us to how the PLL is already kind of accommodating um, the MLL. They're, they're bringing in the cannons as the eighth team. So they're not going to, you know, come up with a new team. I wish they maybe would have, you know, brought in the Bayhawks and replaced them with the water dogs. But, you know, they just had to get my water dogs dig in there. Um, <laughs> but I think that's big for them also to continue to, you know, foster these relationships with MLL fans. What are your guys' thoughts on them bringing in the Cannons as Cannons Lacrosse Club, but in a way that they're actually opting for an expansion and entry draft as opposed to bringing in the full team? Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I mean, bringing in the team would have been fun, like, from a from a fan point of view, to just, like, throw the MLL champion into the PLL and see what happens, you know, see how it goes, Um mm-hmm. And the Cannons had a really, really good roster. The Cannons are gonna have most of their roster, I imagine, taken, depending on how many rounds and players and all that um, in, in expansion draft are gonna get taken, you know. So, you know, even like a guy like Randy Stotts is probably, I would imagine, would be in the top three or four at worst guys taken. So mm-hmm. um, you know, the team's really good. I think it's it's the right thing to do though. If you're gonna if you're gonna bring all these players in and you're gonna have this massive pool of players coming from the mll and you're also going to have just a massively talented college draft um there's going to be a lot of spots to try and fill and i think to try and open up as many of those spots as you can for college players for other players in the league to try and fill you're going to wind up with some really really competitive rosters um and you know we've talked about this a little bit we've mentioned it a little bit i guess but like the the number of spots for lacrosse players to play professional lacrosse in the summertime has, has taken a serious hit. It's gone way down because we only have eight teams now. Um, but, you know, I think a part of that is you have, you have players who, who've been doing this and, um, you know, I'd say in both leagues, I think where, you know, some of them they have a really good week, They have a really good day job during the week. You know, they live near where they play lacrosse. It's nice to get the extra game check on the weekend for a thousand bucks or whatever, and it's not like, you know, it's not a hobby. You're still a pro, but it's close. So mm-hmm. guys that are in that, you know, style of playing professional lacrosse where it's like, listen, I'm going to come play on Saturdays and have a good time. And I'm not going to go nuts with like training and nutrition and all this other stuff to try and really be like peak pro athlete. Those are the guys where I think they might just say, you know what, I think that's it for me. I'll stick to Vail and like Placid and, you know well you'll lose some guys in that regard and then Mm. there'll be guys who'd be like yeah i'm ready to take this to the next level and become a pro and really try and earn one of these spots and and go all out for it and you know i think that'll be good for the competition level because you'll have guys really going after each other to try and get these very very few spots um but you know i i think the cannons are going to be the Cannons are going to be in a good spot if they get the first pick in the expansion draft. Cause it just means Lyle Thompson gets to be a Boston Cannon, which is pretty mm-hmm. awesome. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll see, I guess where else it goes and who else is left unprotected. I think, you know, I had mentioned this on Twitter, but if the PLL offseason follows the schedule it went on last year, we're about a month out from protected rosters and two months out from an expansion draft. So mm-hmm. like this stuff is going to start moving quickly. There are college lacrosse programs right now who have partial schedules on their websites, Like, Mm-hmm. People are getting ready to get out there and, and play, uh, hopefully, you know, with fans, without fans, wherever it goes. But um, this is going to rev up quickly now. This is going to rev up quickly
2: now. One of the drawbacks to the way the PLL operates is that teams can kind of stay good because there's no free agency period. But with expansion drafts, it kind of prevents, you know, teams from staying dominant like the Whip Snakes. You know, we saw 10 players protected last year. Now we could see, you know, maybe even less. Uh, with this influx of talent, or maybe it's still ten, but that's still not that many to protect. you know, the whip snakes again are gonna have to battle through um you know protecting those guys. and um I know Adam, you know, you have some ideas of you know who could land be the the starting goalie for the the cannons and stuff. I mean, what are your thoughts on this expansion draft and maybe who who are some players that you think could land there or uh,
3: you know really compete for some spots? Yeah, you know, I think going off of dan's point of of kind of just starting from scratch, I think that also kind of, goes into what we were talking right before that as well. It, it it was a merger, right? But the PLL, for all intents and purposes, won. And if you continue and bring over the the cannon, the Boston Cannons, right? They're, they're okay. Cannons Lacrosse Club right now, right? So um, that just continues the conversation of PLL versus MLL to an extent, right? So starting from scratch, having that history there, but still kind of recreating that team makes sense just to kind of progress the sport and that league forward and to get rid of that conversation. But from a player perspective, I mean, there's a bunch of guys that I'm really, really excited to see um, what they do at the PLL side of things. A, a name that that pops up uh, recently a lot, you know, Zach Goodrich out Towson um, is, is a name that I'm super excited to see uh, how his game um, kind of projects to, to the PLL side of things. And, and a number of guys from, uh, that cannons roster. I mean, uh, I'm a big fan of of Challen Rogers. Uh, and I'm really, really excited to see, uh, how his, his game, uh, comes over to the to the PLL too. He'd be an awesome candidate to to, to get drafted by the Canons, um, redrafted by the cannons right? So uh, there's a number of guys we, we can go into it, but I'm really excited to see what this MLL talent can do uh, once it heads over this season.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. And you know, I know some people were thinking that uh, there could be could have been more teams, and I, I agree with you. It would have been nice, but again, I think something that played a part in that was COVID and only bringing one team in. Um, I also think that people sometimes are getting, you know, th- we're oh, there's 13 pro teams these past two years. There was definitely enough talent for 13, but I, we got to remember when there was one league, um, when there was last one league, it was nine teams. And the most pro field teams we've ever had was 10. That was before the recession. So definitely, you know, from a financial standpoint too, if you're going to play these players more, you know, you got to start looking at that. And I think that's some of the hard questions that people don't realize. Uh, what about you, Brian, though? I, I know you have some players that you would love to see make an impact on a PLL team. What are some of your big names uh, that are coming over, hopefully, that that you think are going to really make an impact and make a name for themselves in this PLL? Uh, Before before I answer that question, Mm -hmm. I think the point that you just brought up about only adding one extra
1: team, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that decision also has to do with how successful can a tour-based model be if we just jam a bunch of extra teams on. So I think that also had a major uh, impact on their decision to only bring in one new team.
2: Absolutely. because they do
1: have to think long-term like how long how long is that level sustainable and they have to see if they can grow at a level that they can start supporting more teams so i think t- taking on a more than one would have just been too big of a risk financially now mm-hmm. that there's only one leak so now there's no fail safe mm-hmm. so i think the careful thing is good and uh also the ability to roll out expansion teams in the future not just you know
2: Expand and then contract, you know, like they have in yeah. years past with the MLL. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Cause that would be, that would be seen as a negative. They're like, Oh, well, you know, we merged into the PLL now it's not working. Mm-hmm. It's an easy criticism point. So slow growth I think is the best way to convince people that this is the best thing for lacrosse um, as to your question about who I would like to see uh, one, one position that I find that there isn't talent lacking necessarily um, but with a new team coming in specifically, I would really like to see Sean Scannoni in the PLL because mm-hmm. that man walked into the MLL and he got pelted.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He did not have the most unified defensive unit in front of him. And he really stood on his head and he had an amazing save percentage. Mm-hmm. So I think it would be fun to see him in front of, uh, you know, a really established defensive unit with some guys who have worked together before and to see like what he can really do for a defense. That's kind of my like dark horse. I don't see many Mm -hmm. people talking about him very much. And I thought Mm -hmm. he really stood out over the summer for the MLL tournament. Um, Another, another position, like, again, I'm defensive, so I'm going to bring a less offensive perspective to the table here. Uh, But someone's stat line stood out to me a lot. And that's Alex spring from the lizards. He's, he's their long stick midi. And his production level was outstanding. And I, when we look at like the PLL top 50, for example, there are only two arguably should have been three with John Sexton in the top 50. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So there's room, there's room for LSMs in the league who can perform better as -hmm. like takeaway or in between the lines guys. And I think he could really contribute a lot to that on a multiple different teams.
2: Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. And you, you mentioned the lizards too. Uh, a guy that I really have on my radar is Ben Randall. I think, again, the, I think the defensive talent is probably the scarcest coming over, um, but he's a guy that's gone toe to toe with, you know, the best of them. Matt Rambo, you know, in that championship game, Ohio State uh, versus Maryland. Um, I think he flies under the radar because probably he's not, you know, as vocal, but um, he's a guy. Um, I know, you know, Adam, you're, you're really interested in the goalie situation because we, we mentioned one in Sean Scannoni, but there's a lot of goalie talent you know, Brian Phipps, um, Nick Morocco, and then you still got Dylan Ward sitting on a bench yep. in the PLL. So Adam, who who's going to be the cannons goalie? And could we see some of these MLO goalies take a, a PLL goalie spot?
3: Yeah, it, it's going to be crazy to see. I, I, I was talking to you off pot about the whole Dylan Ward situation. I just laugh because, I, I can't see Dylan Ward in anything but an outlaw's jersey in the NLL. And if it's the, if it's the cannons, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be wild to see. And I think he deserves to start. I said going into last season uh, that if I, I considered him the best goalie in the outdoor game, I know uh, blaze had another unbelievable season and, uh, and even coach tower says they're one a and one B. So I think he deserves uh, maybe he'll be used as trade bait, whatever the case may be, but he deserves to be starting. Uh, in this league um, and I definitely think that should happen next year whether it's cannons water dogs or whatever. Um, Nick Morocco it'll be interesting to see if maybe coach Quirk it is kept we don't know what the situation is going to be from a coaching standpoint from uh, for, for the mm-hmm. cannon so if coach Quirk Brayton's, uh stays on he, he loves Morocco right so mm-hmm. maybe that continues on and, and we see a semblance of the new and old Canon. So um, it's going to be super interesting to see what training camp is going to be like. I hope there's an entire documentary just done on how this training camp is going to be, um, w- with how large the player pool uh, is going to be. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I think Ward deserves a starting spot. He should be starting. And then you don't even. I know I'm rambling now, but I just my my head's spinning. And Jack Kelly can be a starting goalie, right? Team USA's goalie. He's going to be coming back from injury. So I just. It's going to be wild. It's it's the most competitive position just because of how many spots there really are from starting perspective. So it'll be crazy to see wha- how things kind of lay yep. the lay of the land goes. And
2: the last expansion draft, you're only pr- able to protect one. That's why yep. we saw Gittleman go unprotected and Drew Adams kept, even though they both ended up staying on that. Uh, Dan, what about you? Are there any players that you know maybe are flying under the radar, or you want to talk about some that are obvious, you know, picks that you think are going to just really excel in the PLL? There's
0: a there's a few. I do want to go back. I want to put on my tinfoil hat again. I have a conspiracy <laughs> theory for you. You ready for this, Adam? Or uh, well, made me think of this because he said there's no free agency period. The merger happened because they had to have an expansion team so that they could do an expansion draft because it's the only way they could break up the Whip Snakes <laughs> and keep the Whip Snakes from winning a third straight title. Otherwise, <laughs> they were going to roll to it again. Let's be honest. There's no the Whip Snakes are so far ahead of everybody. Um, and again, that's not what happened. But, <laughs> but think about it. But think about it. Um, <laughs> players who I who I really am looking forward to seeing. There's a few um, at the face-off spot. Obviously, you know it was weird. Like in my in my Twitter mentions, everyone's going on about Alex Woodall. I'm like, have you all forgotten about Max Adler? it's Like this man is a mm-hmm. monster. This man is a monster. This man oh. handled Baptiste when they played in the league together. Like. Mm-hmm max adler's going to make a big difference for somebody woodall is also awesome like he's going to get taken and then mm-hmm. td erland's in this college draft like you have you're going to have a reshaped face-off landscape in the league this year um obviously already adding to guys like trevor who are there and then joe nardella who was just named a top five player in the league and was a mm-hmm. legit mvp candidate so mm-hmm. that spot's going to be wild another defenseman i know you mentioned uh, ben randall but I'm a, uh, I'm a Michael Rex fan from Rutgers. Mm-hmm. I think he had a really good season. He, uh, he did okay. Matching up with guys like Lyle, even he got some tough matchups in the MLL and, and he handled himself pretty well. So I think, I think Rex road has a spot somewhere. Um, and then if you want somebody who's, who's obviously like, we're, we're all doing this with the idea. Like we know Lyle is the one, like, let's just, we don't have to name him. We all know, hmm. like he's going to be the first guy taken and immediately impact any team he's on. Um, but Randy Stotts, who I, who I mentioned earlier, Randy Stotts is going to make something cool happen every single time he touches the ball. Like, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a, a guy where and the ball gets to him and you, and you do that thing where you just, like, lean forward a little bit and, like, kind of wait for something <laughs> cool to happen. Like, Randy Stotts is, is that guy for me. And then Brian Cole, I think, is a who's who's got a, a game and a body type and an athletic, athleticism level that really, really matches well with the PLL. I think he'll mm. be a high, a high pick. He's big physical plays two ends has range, like good Dodger. I think he's a guy who's going to, who's going to definitely make a roster and, and, take somebody's spot on the first midline. Somewhere.
3: Do they join each other uh, in a, in uh in a deal? They were traded <laughs> with each other last year, right? So do, do they, are they, are they? I, I, I still need it? to
2: see Shane Jackson and uh, Randy Stott's connection back together. You know, yeah. we get to watch it with the swarm, but I need to see it again in the field. They, they were on fire with the blaze uh, no pun intended. Um, I, I too, you know, it, I'm really interested to see with these, like the defensive side of things, but From an offensive standpoint too, you know, MVP Bryce Wasserman, I really want to see where he lands because he proved that he could play with the best when there was one league. Um, I remember he had a nice story where, you know, he was nervous going out to the practice for the machine and uh, Scotty Rogers went up to him and said, Hey, you belong here. Like act like you belong here because you do. So I think he's a guy that can make an impact. The tricky thing is he plays in a position where there's already oversaturation. So that, that's the only disappointing thing is that, you know, hopefully he gets a shot. Another guy, you know, Mark Cockerton, again, lethal shot. Um, I hope he lands on a team that can utilize his skill set because there, there are some guys, too, that, um, you know, are going to be competing for spots. And saw a guy like Kevin Rice, who's actually a really talented player that just didn't mesh with that archers attack. Um, and then Grant Ammon came in and they they performed a little bit better. But, you know, that's the thing, too, is going to be come down to personnel. You know, if we saw uh, maybe Lyle and uh, – Connor Fields can't end up together again, you know, from like the Albany days, it, it's going to be interesting how everything shakes up. And that's where I think these coaches are going to have some tough decisions to make. Do they, they stick with the players they know, or do they maybe try to, to do some reunions of sorts, um, you know, going into it. I, you could see some guys that might be fan favorites left unprotected because these coaches, you know, could be looking to, to pick up some other guys. I don't know. It's going to be interesting for sure. Today, I also want to talk to you about our affiliate, Smart Backstop. Smart Backstop is different from traditional backstops in that it actually attaches to your net, preventing any missed shots up to four feet high and wide of the net. It can also be easily folded down behind the net for easy storage. Plus, this thing is built to last and is used by some of the top college teams. I'm someone who spent countless hours chasing missed shots in my backyard as a kid, and I wish I had this on my net. It would have saved me a lot of time and money on lost lacrosse balls. The best thing is right now, Smart Backstop is giving listeners $20 off their purchase and free shipping. Just use the code PLT at checkout, place your order, and then get practicing. We also, you know, in a little lesser news, had the PLL Top 50 released. Um, overall, I thought it was actually um, pretty straightforward. There's a few people for sure that um, I, I think were, you know, maybe voted in name only, and it's voted by the players. But uh, I know, Brian, you had some some hot takes on the PLL Top 50 uh, talk to me a little bit about some guys that you think were really underrated that maybe weren't on the top 50 or just ranked way too low in your mind.
1: Uh, I have more of an issue with some of the people who I thought were ranked lower than left off. I think there are plenty of people who are left off that should have been on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't my least hot take of all time is that Paul Ravel probably shouldn't have been on the list. <laughs> think a lot of
2: people agree with you on that one
1: yeah that's like my least hot take of all time and for the listeners i am an atlas stan so i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about (laughs) atlas players first uh i thought that k van raphorse was criminally underrated on this list he had to deal with a defense that that gave kevin unterstein that's his first name right yes yep yeah kevin understein a pull in a, a in a lot of situations like not even just man down and no Durkin. So the and no Durkin the whole time. So Kvan Rapphorst, who led, who tied for first and caused turnovers, and was like second or third in um, non faceoff player ground balls. Like his his production was high. He had the he had the hardest matchup a majority of the time. He had no Durkin to give to lend experience, um, and of course, Concanon had a lot of reason why. I think Atlas wasn't the worst defense from mm-hmm. a statistics perspective. Uh, I, I think he was just criminally underrated he he was dealt no cards and he somehow made something out of it so he should have been he should have been much higher that's the thing that I'm probably the most upset about um he's the most underrated cancannon slightly i think underrated mm-hmm. um, but the, you know, I would have the, flipped
2: cancannon with Troutner I, you know I like Troutner but I still think cancannon's a little bit better and doesn't get enough recognition you know where the troutner absolutely. plays behind a solid redwoods defense and that's where I come sometimes. Yeah. I think there's a little too much hype there, but
1: other other than other than that, I think for Carl and Farrell were really underrated, especially Connor Farrell. That mm. man had an outstanding season, and the fact that he's 47, it, it makes no sense to me. Especially when Baptiste is so high, which makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Um, just so people don't think I'm overly biased, I don't think Baptiste deserves to be on the list, and I don't think Durkin deserves to be on the list. I don't think Durkin played in enough games. I don't think Baptiste played well especially since the Waterdogs face-off guys aren't on the list.
2: Mm-hmm. Jake so and
1: I, Seminole, yeah. Yeah, neither of them made the list. Um, so the fact that Farrell's so low, the Water Dogs players aren't on there, but Trevor Batiste somehow is, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and that's
2: the tricky thing with these rankings too. You don't know what the players are looking at. It, it should be in a vacuum, you know, just that championship series, but oftentimes that's yeah. not the case, obviously. Um, even though it's kind of shaked out that way as you got higher up the list, I think. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree. It's, it's interesting. I, you know, I still think Baptiste probably finds his way on there, but you, you look at the stats, it's you're right. It, it wasn't as good as Connor Farrell and obviously not as good as Joe Nardello who got the recognition he deserved.
1: I've plenty of other people that I think are, are, uh, overrated. Uh, but I think I'll give you one of my hottest takes. And I think that Zach courier being as high as he is, is not great. And I think that's going to be a super unpopular opinion. I know he I know he was out for a slight amount of time and but most of his influence came from helping win faceoffs but the water dogs suffered all season from offensive stagnancy mm-hmm. and he didn't really help remedy that so aside mm-hmm. from his, his wing play I don't really see a whole lot there that would warrant him being above some offensive players or just midfielders in general mm-hmm. uh, that were left behind him that's probably my
2: hottest take. Yeah, so it's interesting because I agree that he maybe was ranked too high, but not for the same reasons. I think because again, if you look at the stats in a vacuum, he he missed some games. So how can you really put him that high if he didn't play in you know I think it was two or maybe even three games? Um, yeah. But from a ranking standpoint, you know, again, if I was looking at the overall picture, I think he is one of those top you know fifteen players. Um, but then again, you know, from stats point, it's he he didn't he didn't have the stats to back that up just because he was out um you know did he make an he made a lot of impact where that don't show up in the stats which is where i, I you know would argue for his case but you know it's definitely interesting point uh in you know well taken um what about you dan did you have any any thoughts on these rankings anybody that stood out we don't we don't have to talk about rabel you know we can talk about <laughs> other people <laughs>
0: yeah you know i think there um a couple of people that were misses, I did my, I'm, I'm sure you, some of you have read it already on Pro Lacrosse mm-hmm. Talk, my, yeah. my not top 50 team. Um, I think it's also, remember, and I put it kind of as a caveat, but, you know, guys like Joel White didn't play in this series. Matt Landis wasn't out there in this mm-hmm. series. You have some really, really good players who didn't, who didn't for whatever reason, um, you know, make the trip to the bubble and everything and, and play. So those are guys where on, on any other year where they play, they're top 50 players like you know they're, they're gonna be on the list um but the the big misses for me were number one was brad smith like where the heck mm-hmm. is brad smith brad smith was a monster all year for the whip snakes and i know there's like a million guys scoring goals and, and zed was scoring in bunches and they have you know an mvp uh in, in and in matt rambo and zed williams now so like they, you know there's guys all over the place who are who are great but brad smith and his line mate jay carlson both had awesome top 50 level years um I think if you were to pull the guys on the snakes, I think Rambo has even said like Jay Carlson's the smartest softball player I've ever played with. He's remarkably good. So those are guys, uh, Christian Mazzone probably should have been on the list for me. I mm-hmm. thought Mazzone had an awesome year. I don't know. If, I mean, if you want to argue with me about whether he's a top 50, top 60, whatever player, but I think he is, is an impactful guy. And again, like the, the numbers that he can put up, you know, I it's my favorite stat of his ever, but his, a year before he came here, when he was in the MLL, he was a midfielder who had 40 points and 40 ground balls in the same season. Mm-hmm. Nobody did that in either league, other than Christian Mizon. Like that's mm-hmm. insane. He will be on wings. He will be on defense, and he will score. He does it all. Like he's he's his stock just is going up like crazy. Uh, and let me think if there's anybody else who seemed like a it's very like his <laughs> <laughs> It gives him more that's vision. Right. Yeah. Hey, he uh, posted
2: a photo today from the Atlanta Blaze where he actually had tilt. So it wasn't always like that. Um, I know one guy too, uh, I can jump in. I, I think, you know, you mentioned the the Archers uh, with Mazone. I think like Obra. you know, the other guy yeah. taken uh, was, you know, very underrated. He drew a lot of the top matchups. Um, I liked that Matt McMahon made uh, the, or I think he was on the list last year. He was very low. He moved up the ranks a lot this year, which was great. I mean, the fact that he wasn't, uh, nominated for defensive player of the year, I think was criminally insane. Um, I think Dunn would have probably still won anyway, but the fact that he didn't get a nomination blows my mind. Um, you know, led the league and caused turnovers. But Gobrek, I think, gets, uh, should get a lot of credit on that Archer's defense as well um, for stepping in and, you know, you lose Jackson Place uh, to injury and he stepped in seamlessly and, and drew a lot of those top matchups. So I think he should get a lot of credit, even though he wasn't on this list. What about you, Adam? you have any uh, thoughts on the top 50? I'll give,
0: I'll give you, I'll give you one more. If oh, you God. ever ask me, you don't have to tell me where he is on the list. Just tell me where's like, is Brent Adams too low? Yes, yeah. Brent Adams <laughs> is always too low. Brent Adams was playing attack for the Redwoods. Brent Redwoods almost hit like the dopest air gate ever. He's a ridiculous player. And again, like he is, he is like that, The Redwoods midi for that team, like when you're looking at Redwoods middies, Brent Adams is a Redwoods midfielder, Mm -hmm. right? He's doing both ends. He can hit twos. He's an awesome dodger. Like he is, he came in barely making the list at number 50. Mm -hmm. He should be higher. Every time he's not, he he should always be higher. Brent Adams should always be higher than he is.
2: The only reason I like where he's out on the list is I can still say he's underappreciated and underrated. That's the only reason. (laughs) He should definitely be higher, but you know, if he gets ranked higher then I can't say that anymore. So
3: (laughs) yeah, he was funny, funny say that I was going to bring him up. I think if the, the player that jumps the most, uh, with one play difference in the bubble is is that (laughs) Eric, if he makes that he's top, top 30, right? It's it's just, that's just absolutely the case. And then Dan brought him up in, in his article as well. Austin Stotts is just a guy that's phenomenal. I'm really excited to see what he can do uh, next year uh, as well. And then a guy I've been a stand for pretty much forever is Ryan Ambler. I don't know if he makes that makes the list, but I don't know why he doesn't get talked about. No one mm-hmm. ever brings up Ambler ever. And I like just don't understand. I think he just silently is one of the most productive guys in the league Mitt doesn't put up the most gaudy stats in the world but he's fantastic and does everything that that archer squad asks of him
2: he you the, know he i i agree kid.
0: he had like in, in the in yeah. the clutch goal department yeah. he, he was near the top of the league i think
2: mm-hmm. yeah and he, you know he was one of those guys that uh they made a point to protect too, is another thing where, you, you know, Danny Ipe had a really great first season Uh, kind of fell off the map this year, but like, you know, it's, I think it, it's a testament to, you know, what Ambler means to that offense, Um, you know, especially pairing up with Tom Schreiber. Um, Yeah, no, definitely, definitely interesting top 50. Again, overall, I didn't think it was actually too bad at all. I think the players got a lot of it, right. Um, You know, you could probably argue one and two Uh, till the end of the day. I think Eli Gobreck summed it up best though, if, you had to ask a defender who they'd rather cover Tom Schreiber or Matt Rambo. They'd say no. So I I think that was was what summed it up pretty well. I thought Rambo might've landed at number one again. I think he got, you know, was maybe a little um, underrated just because of how impactful Zed was this year, but Rambo was still the wheel that made that turn. Um, But overall, you know, Tom Schreiber is by far one of the best players in the world, if not the best, Uh, you know, Lyle might give him a run for the money next year uh, in the PLL, but uh, it'll definitely be interesting to see everyone in the same league. Um, again, Dan mentioned his article on pro lacrosse talk about uh, the not top 50. So Dan took all the players that didn't make that list and fielded a roster that I think, you know, could probably make up the cannons uh, squad if you really wanted to. Um, there's so much talent in this league, more talents being added. Very excited about this merger and what it means for the sport going forward. But uh, yeah, no, I know Dan, uh, before we we go too, I uh, plugged your article, but you wanted to also plug something else if you want to you know, plug, plug that as well.
0: Yeah, guys, uh, you know, he didn't ask me to do it and he doesn't even know I'm going to do it right now, but Frank Brown is doing a really, really awesome charity holiday drive uh, this year. You can read about it at cousinbrownie.org. He is, uh, doing his first annual holiday give back. So he's just trying to raise some money and he has an Amazon wish list, and it's, um, gifts for, uh, Seneca Nation Child and Family Services so that kids that live, um, near the allegheny territory and, and somewhere else i'm butchering this and but i'm sorry frank if you ever listen but um it's to help those kids have a better christmas than they might have had otherwise and he's he's doing it all like just because it's important to him uh and it's an awesome cause it's close to the lacrosse world's heart so again you guys should check that out at cousinbrownie.org if you can give a little bit give a little bit he's got some awesome raffle stuff he's raffling off the, the helmet that zed williams wore in the title game he's got uh some lyle thompson gear some really, really cool stuff. So go check that out. Uh, get, like I said, give a little bit if you can and, and help some kids have a good Christmas.
2: No, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you plugged that. It's definitely important. And I, we love what he's doing, uh, you know, for the Seneca nation. Uh, again, it's, it's great. Um, again, we appreciate you guys listening and tuning in. This has been an awesome episode. Um, again, we have some big things in the works coming up in January. Uh, hopefully you guys stick with us. Can't say much more than that, but uh, we we're excited about where the future of uh, pro lacrosse is going, both indoor and outdoor. Um, and in the women's side as well. So hopefully you guys stick with us. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening, and we hope you tune in next time for Pro Lacrosse Talk. Today I also want to talk to you about our affiliate Players Academy. Are you looking to improve your lacrosse game from home? Players Academy, started in part by multiple Hall of Fame lacrosse players, including J.J. Albert, currently offers premier lacrosse online video instructional training courses from two of the top players in the world today, Atlas Attackman Rob Pinnell and Archers midfielder Tom Schreiber. You can learn how to run the two-man game, perform Rob Pinnell's signature question mark dodge, attack from X, work the island, and more in these fun-to-watch lacrosse courses. We've also teamed up with Players Academy to offer a special $25 off your Players Academy course of choice. Simply use the code PLT at checkout and start learning from the best in the game today.